See, I don't think how I was taught, I was taught as a little kid, you got to be afraid of this scary God guy. Jesus is okay. Thank God for Jesus, because I deserve to get hit in the head with a baseball bat because God's so mad at me. But to thank God Jesus said, you know what, I'll just go down there and I'll get hit by a bat so these people don't get hit by a bat. So, somehow that doesn't ease your conscience that uh, God's this good guy. And how many of you guys saw that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, hasn't he? And when Jesus was sitting there and he told all the little kids, what did the little kids do to Jesus? They came and sat in his lap like a grandpa, like a King David, right? That's the Father. That's the Father. That's the God that we serve. It's not this angry God that's going to torture people forever and ever. So I just believe Scripture um, is what it is. I believe the good news ultimately prevails and love never fails. I believe that he is the Alpha and he's the Omega. We started in him, we're going to end in him. Now, that doesn't mean everybody has to accept it openly. It says it's going to be chastisement. It's going to be, it's going to be correction for some people because they think they're better. They think, uh, you know what, the, the Mussolini's, the Hitler's, exactly what David was saying, needed the most correction. But uh, you know who the, in Jesus' time, you know who the modern-day Hitler was? Saul. Saul was running around killing people in the name of religion, wasn't he? And on the road to Damascus, what happened to Saul? He became the greatest evangelist to the Gentiles and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. See, sin will never outpace God's grace and love. Never. And where the greatest sin is, he goes, grace superabounds. That's what that whole passage is about. If Adam was powerful enough to affect all mankind, I was powerful enough to affect all mankind. Because Adam was just a type and shadow of me that all are wrapped up in me. Does that make sense? So I believe this is a divine promise that love wins in the end. Amen? Does that make sense? And so I'm just going to go through scripture, and uh, I love this. I wrote some things down <laughs> where I get a lot of this material is just from people, because uh, last, hey, Merry New Year, by the way, just like King David said. I can't ever say Happy New Year anymore after watching Eddie Murphy on Trading Places. It's Merry New Year. And so I've said that so many times now, I think it's Merry New Year. Um, I get confused. So uh, you guys know that when he said, Merry New Year, and he's, so I say Merry New Year now, and I forget it's even Happy New Year and Merry Christmas, but anyway... Um, we were in, in Phoenix with a, a bunch of friends over the last, last uh, weekend, and um, there was this guy who I'd, I'd never met. I'd, I'd known him before, and he and his wife were there. And he was probably in his late 40s, is my guess, and he had this concern. He said, you know what? He goes, um, what about the judgment seat of Christ? And I said, what about the judgment seat of Christ? He goes, well, we're all going to be judged. I said, yeah, but who are you going to meet? Who are you going to meet on the throne? The tree of life. You're going to meet the, the one who loves you so unconditionally that gave his life for you. That's the judgment seat of Christ. That's what you're going to meet. It's not anything to be scared of. You're going to, everybody's going to go meet Jesus is what it says. Everybody will meet at the judgment seat of Christ. Everybody. Does your Bible not say that? So if everybody's going to go there and they're going to meet the tree of life, what do you think they're probably, he's going to offer them? Life. Amen? So anyway, when we were just going, you know what? You were in Christ. You don't ever have to be, uh, and he would call himself a Christian like we would. Um, and he, I said, you don't ever have to worry. You're going to go meet Jesus Christ. I promise you, you will meet him, and that's who's sitting on the throne. And he got so, exci so excited. And he said, I went home, I went back to the hotel room, and I told my wife, and we stayed up for hours talking about it. Because they both grew up uh, like I did, went to catechism, served God their whole life, etc. The next day, she comes back to me, and she goes, Thank you, we've never had assurance until now. I go, isn't that sad that most of us grew up in church and we still don't 
there's just something gnawing in us that how do we know that those magic words we said actually got us into the club? Something just doesn't feel right about that. Does that make sense? But when all of a sudden you give them assurance, no, you will meet Jesus Christ, the one who loves you more than... Does that make sense? So I wanted to share a couple things with you. Um, how many of you guys have heard this verse, Matthew 6, 33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then what? Everything else will be added to you. Does that, does that make sense? So what's the, what's the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy, right? Righteousness, peace, and joy. And so it says, if you, if you can get that internal thing, the spiritual things, the righteousness, peace, and joy, everything else will take care of itself. And so why I'm going through this, guys, is I want to read something out of the Love Code again. I just picked this book up because I can't, every now and then I keep going back and go, God, this is everything, even though it's written from a secular point of view. It says, he says the same thing here. Here's what he says. There's, there's basically, when you eat from two different trees... One does what? When, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the good, bad, or if you're good, then they'll bless you. If you're bad, then curse you. Um, what did, it, did it give them life? Were they excited about this God, or what happened to Adam and Eve? It caused fear, right? Because their conscience was stirred up, and they said, you know what? We're not that good. We see that we're not that good in and of itself. The life giver has to give us life. And it caused them to shrink from God and be in fear. Did it not? So I know that love conquers fear. Because 1 John tells us that perfect love casts out fear. He said, if you still have fear in your life, you don't know me because I'm that Jesus that the little kids went and sat on grandpa's lap. That's how scared you have to be of me because I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, forever. And that's who I am and that's who I've always am. Who, is, who was kind of angry and afraid of him? The religious people of the day trying to, trying to be a pleasing to God based on their works, following the law, right? So anyway, here's the love code. Here's what it says this is when your number one goal is in an internal state, doesn't that sound like righteousness, peace, and joy, spiritual things? It says, everything else you desire comes as a free bonus. Doesn't that sound like seek you first the kingdom? And here's what it says. He says this. He says, here's the true magic. Once you, in, once you this is a secular book. This is amazing. Here's the true magic. Once you create the internal state of love, joy, and peace, you have created the internal power source that creates the external circumstances of your life that you desire. So what do you desire? You know, whether it's health, whether it's finances, whether it's great relationships, whether it's great marriage, whether it's intimacy in your marriage, um, the problem is always internal. And so we have to get rid of fear because fear actually does the exact opposite to you, gets you introspective. You start worrying about you and then you worry about, why isn't my husband doing this for me? Why isn't my wife doing this for me? Why is this person doing that? Why is this business guy trying to steal from me? Everything becomes to protect and hide, right? But once you get, hey, he loves me perfectly, I'm perfectly loved, the power of God starts to flow out of you. Rivers of living water start flowing out of you. Doesn't that all sound normal? So why we need to get a hold of this stuff, why we need to get rid of a, an angry God, in my opinion, and a fiery hell that's going to torture you forever and ever and ever is because... It, something doesn't sit right. We can never trust this God completely. I believe that with all my heart. Because I saw it with this, this couple. They were joyful. It was the first time that I, they, they touched the gospel. And they're like, this message has to get out to the world. I go, at first it's got to start in the church. Because most people in the West have never even heard the gospel, in my opinion. They've heard a watered-down, weird version that if I say these words, somehow I'm in. But their heart is never settled. They're never, they still think this God's angry and they worry and stress and fear not knowing that we can trust him. He's the, he's the Jesus that let the little kids sit on his lap. And that's how he's, that's who he is. And he never changes. Does that make sense to you guys? 
So I believe this is, is uh, love actually wins. So let me just, I, I took some notes and then we'll get into the scripture to make sure. So uh, I said, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues or the boundaries of Zoe, of life, right? And he is the tree of life. So if we have fear in there, guess what it starts to affect? Everything. It starts to affect your relationships, your marriage, your health, uh, your finances. You literally shut down the part of your brain where you can have love, compassion, and creativity. And we, we saw that. You know, with, after the dark ages, when they got a little glimpse of the good news of Scripture that you could be saved by faith in his, or grace, by faith in Jesus' faith alone, that was nothing to do, that it was actually good news, we saw life explode. We saw creativity explode, etc. And so, anyway, so I just wrote, the, you're the real you, the heart, you guys have heard me talk about this all the time, but it's a million more times powerful than your logic, you know, uh, or your willpower. You know, Scripture says this, is, is if you're going to read your Bible, here's what I'd recommend you do, guys, is pray. Just do this and go, you know what? Um, it's not how much Scripture you memorized or know. I see some of the most miserable people I know that know way more of the Bible than I do. I go, that's great. You, you know all those verses, but you still haven't found life because you don't know what testifies about Jesus. So if you're going to open up scripture and study the Bible or pray or do anything, it's, you know what, open up my eyes of understanding so I can see, so I can see what you are, who you truly are, Jesus and the Father, so that grace and peace are multiplied in my life. It doesn't say if you memorize 10 verses and you read the Bible from A to Z, um, uh, guys, no, I've never done that. How many guys have ever done that? You did it? Yeah? How'd 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 it go for you? (laughs) <laughs> because I agree, I agree, not, not, nothing wrong if you go do it, but if you're going to open up that Bible, please just go, you know what, let me see that as Jesus so that grace and peace are multiplied in my life, because usually when we're reading the Bible, we're trying to be obedient, aren't we, we're trying to, Lord, you know what, and, uh, and really he's going, why don't you just hang out with me, Michael, and ask me to give you revelation of what this whole thing's about, because it's all about me, and anyway, so, um, so I said, most of us want to, uh, most of us want to change our external conditions, isn't, don't, isn't that typically true? Whether it's money or relationships or all these external things. Well, seek ye first the kingdom of God. If you, if you can get to a place of love, joy, and peace, everything else comes with it. And actually, Scripture verifies that. And so, health, mental health, anxiety, depression, financial problems, marriage problems, relationships. The source is in here, guys. And it's fear. So we got to get rid of this angry, fiery God that's going to torment you forever and ever. Because, see, here's the thing. God is love, Right? Let me give you a little algebra again. God is love, and God is a consuming fire. So if you, X equals Y in algebra, right? God is love, X, what can you replace it with? If X is also a consuming fire, God is also a consuming fire. So God's love is the consuming fire. Why do we give the fire to the devil? He doesn't have any fire. He says all he has is lies forever. I think we have this idea that God was in charge of hell, little spiky things, and he's got this whip and whatever, and, and he's in charge of hell. Isn't that what you kind of grew up learning? No, he's not. He was thrown into the lake of fire to be purified just like you at the end. So uh, the source is not an external problem. It's the wrong belief system. So I, I just wrote, I said, a distant God that needs to punish sin. Somehow, um, you guys have all seen the gospel in chairs, haven't you? where they have three chairs and they go, here's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you're now seated in the middle of that in this loving relationship. And then they put one chair as far as you can see on the edge of the stage here, and they go, now here's the, here's the God most of you grew up with. That's God, way over there, very distant from you, and you gotta have religious exercises to somehow, 
like scrape and crawl and bloody knuckles get over to somehow be pleasing to him. Isn't that kind of what we have? That is not God. God is Jesus Christ going, come sit on my lap, let's play. That's who he is. So anyway, um, we don't need to, uh, so we have this view of this distant God that needs to punish sin, that he's so angry because we messed up, that somehow we will bow, every knee will bow, and if you don't, before you die, guess what's going to happen to you? Dilly dilly. (laughs) You know I'm talking about, that commercial, right? (laughs) You're going down there. At least they had Bud Light down there, so I don't even think you'd have that in your, in your whole deal, right? So, what? The pit of misery, that's what it is, Beth. I heard you say that. Yeah, the pit of misery. Dilly dilly. <laughs> oh, what a mess, guys. What a mess this church is. So anyway, huh? Exactly. He's a cleansing fire. He's an all-consuming fire. It says, you're going to get in, though. It says, you're going to get in, but it's through the fire. And what's left after fire? David, we were talking about that in your dental. The fire in the Old Covenant was always purification, to get out all the dross, to get out all the wrong belief systems, etc. So this whole idea that everybody's going to bow, God is not that way. He's Jesus. As you saw Jesus there, he said, you know what? When you see unconditional love and you pass in, in all of the chaff, all of the wrong belief systems, everything that you inherited the wrong systems from Adam and Eve on down, it'll all be burned away, and you're going to see unconditional love face-to-face, and I believe what Scripture says is every knee shall bow, because Scripture says it. So uh, when we have an idea of God like that, it actually puts us in a state of fear and stress, and it shuts down our joy, our love, our compassion, our creativity. So if you can replace that fear in your heart with love, joy, and peace, it turns on the power of the kingdom. If you seek you first the kingdom, and all these rivers of living water start to flow out of you, Things you've been trying to accomplish based on logic, based on willpower, or based on working harder, guys, will start to effortlessly flow out of you. I just believe that with all my heart. So that's why I'm sharing these things. People are like, why are you sharing? Give me something practical. Give me 10 things to do. That's human, right? And I go, how long have you been doing those 10 things? Yeah, I've got books stacked from whatever. I've got every John Maxwell book and whatever. And I'm going, nothing changed, right? Because guess what? It, 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 that's not the key. The key is right in here. The key is in here. If we can have love, peace, and joy, stuff just starts to happen to you because you're a son. You're not a slave that works for it. You're an heir. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Sons had slippers on. The slaves had bare feet and calluses. Ten Hail Marys. Ten Hail Marys. That will work too. So anyway, all right. So you guys okay? That's why I'm teaching this because I'm showing every knee is going to bow. It's good news actually. So I'm just giving you a couple scriptures. Isaiah 45, 22. Old covenant. It says, look to me and be saved in the, all the ends of the earth. So how much of the earth? All of it. For I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself. If God swears something by himself, how many other people are involved? No one. Because I'm going to do this. I think we have this concept of, of, we have this, especially here, like, you know, God's, we have this debate whether God's sovereign, not sovereign. I, the mystery of God, in my opinion, is, is, is people go, is God sovereign? Does he give us free will? Yes. Yes. That's the mystery. It's like, What? His love will ultimately get us to do what he desires to do in us. Does that make sense to you guys? So is he sovereign? Yes. Is he going to accomplish his will? I believe he is. So it says, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow. So he says, I swear this is going to happen. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath. And what are they going to say? They shall say, surely in the Lord I have righteousness and strength. That's a prophecy, is it not? 
And then I think it's Isaiah, where is it? It's Isaiah 55, I think, where all you Word of Faith guys that grew up with me, like, we memorized Scripture and thought if we just spoke that, that's what was going to come to pass, right? Because his word shall not return void. His word was Jesus Christ. And he said, I came, I was sent to earth, and I shall not return void. I will accomplish for what I sent. And what, what happened? He goes, I came to destroy the works of the devil and to save mankind. He says that. He said, you know, I didn't come to judge mankind. I came to save the cosmos. He was sent out. He was the word of God made flesh that was sent out to the earth. It says, just like rain and snow, he won't return back to heaven without accomplishing what he did. So did he accomplish it or is he a liar? I think he accomplished it. Does that make sense? All right. So Philippians 2, we can, I can take multiple scriptures, the New Covenant too. I'm just giving you a handful of them. So Philippians 2.10 says that at the name of, what, what's Jesus' name truly, if we weren't going to do it out of a Latin translation into English? What's Jesus' name? Salvation. Yahweh saves, right? Yahweh saves. So at that name, and Jesus said that, I am the resurrection and the life. I am salvation. Now, if he's salvation, then how else can we be saved? You can't. You had to be in him. He, he's salvation. He had to do it, right? So we think that, hey, go through these steps and say these words and you're in. No. He is salvation. He, he's the only one that can do it. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those in earth, and those under the earth. How many people does that include? See, that includes the heavenlies, that includes the earthly, and that includes hell, Sheol. Because below the earth was always Sheol or Hades or, or death in the Old Covenant. And you guys have covered this a lot. So when, when the, to a Jewish mind, they never had the concept of eternal torture. Just go ask a Jew. They had the concept of the two trees. Hey, if you eat this tree, Adam and Eve, what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. But this tree, what you, what's going to happen to you? You're going to have life. Don't you think if he was going to torture you forever and ever and ever, he would have warned them, like, if you eat this tree... You're going to be tortured forever, and it's going to be like putting your hand on an oven, flames. You can never turn those flames out. you got to just sit there and suck it up, because I'm a loving God. What? Right? It doesn't make sense, does it? Now, guess who is just mad as all get out at me right now? Woo! I'm in Colorado Springs, guys. Holy smokes. And I knew this was coming. Trust me, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, why me? You get me in all this trouble all the time. I'm like, I'm just minding my own business over here, being a business guy. Now I'm telling people that you're going to save people? Jeez, the religious people hate that. They love their hell, man. They love it. They do. It's just, it's really weird to me now. I'm like, as a Christian, if you even, if you believed, it says love your neighbor as itself, doesn't it? If we honestly believed that half the people, let's say, in this city were going to burn in hell forever and ever and ever. Nothing would stop us. I, I, think, I think if you're a Christian with that message and you're not spending every second trying to save people, you're a hypocrite. I do. Exactly. I go, you don't even believe it because if you actually believed it and had that much compassion, you wouldn't be sitting, we'd be out there, right? Now, some people are and they're zealous and you know what happens to them? They wear out. They wear out and they go... I just can't do this anymore. In fact, uh, they just do. And I just met with this other guy who just came out of ministry for 12 years, and I'm like, God, the gospel's so beautiful and simple. It's so simple. I can tell when I share it with people like this, a couple I did last week, and, oh, it's the first time we've felt sure of our salvation. Like, Isn't that sad, man? You went through catechism like I did. You did all the steps, and you never had an assurance. So, 
But at the name of salvation, every knee shall bow, those in heaven, those in earth, and those in Sheol, those below the earth, in the deeps, the, dark, the outer darkness. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Isn't that what was prophesied was going to happen? And then in Philippians, it says the same thing is going to happen. It says in Timothy, it says in Romans, all this is going to happen. How is this going to happen? Love never fails. They're going to meet the unconditional love. So everyone will meet Christ Jesus at the judgment seat. This is what kind of gave me the, um, I wanted to go through this judgment seat deal so you're not scared of this judgment seat. So everybody is going to meet Christ Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. They will meet the person that loves them unconditionally, more than anybody could ever meet here. You're not going to see a Western judge in a robe with the hair and go guilty, not guilty. You're going to meet the tree of life. I'll go through it with you. It's actually a great thing. See, we think judgment, we immediately think good, bad. Right? Wait till, you get, wait till I unravel the scripture for you. You're going to love it. Judgment's actually a good thing. Judgment, we should be excited about judgment. In fact, if you go look at the judgment uh, scriptures in the Old Covenant, it was always like, your mercy and judgment are beyond understanding. They're awesome, is what it said in the Old Covenant. Now, in the New Covenant, we go, you're going to be judged. Right? So give money so I can go save the people in 1040 window. Because Let's just share the gospel so that life starts to happen to all these people. The real gospel, in my opinion. So he loves you more than any other person in the world. You're going to see pure love. And it says none of us. See, this is the problem I have with traditional evangelism, too. It says all of us see dimly right now. Doesn't scripture say that? None of us can see clearly. It says, but when we leave this earthly body, then we will see face to face. So it says, not one man can see clear. How can we even make the right decision to somehow save ourselves? Because we can't see clearly is what it says. But somehow uh, it makes us feel a little bit better that, hey, I, I got in the club and you're out. That was never the concept. Is, he goes, if everybody's in, in the first Adam, everybody's going to be in the second Adam. Now, do they believe it or not? Do they realize it or not? No. No, they don't believe it. So that's the evangelism we do. It's good news. I'll share it with you. I'll share the gospel of what they tell us to share, and then you can compare that to everything you read at the back of the book, say these words. And that's always confused me, too. I go, you take any Christian thing, and the sinner's prayer is all different. Every one of them is different. Which one is the right one? See, I, I was just too practical. I'm like, stop all the mess. Just, if, just give me the steps to do if it's a step, and I'll do it. it right? That's probably you, Michael. Read the Bible from A to Z. You just have to, world, at the end of it, you go, I, I have no idea what I just read, right? I don't even know what that was for. So they will finally see what he has always been true about them. His love, the, all the consuming fire will burn away the chaff and impurities. If you go look at the, the Old Testament fire, it was always about, hey, is, we can do this the hard way or the easy way, Israel. Every time you turn away from me, what happened to them? Did it not feel good to them? Was they going through trials and tribulations and stuff, but it always said, I, I won't leave you there. I'll always save a remnant because you're going to turn back to me. So the trial, the tribulations, all of that, his wrath is, I'm going to let you go, but I'm not going to let you go too far. I'm always going to save you. And even the new covenant says that. I'm going to let you go through stuff until you learn how to live like me. And I won't let you go through anything you can't handle. The purpose of all of those things is to turn yourself back to me. It was always, I'm going to let you go do, through this stuff. So letting them go do these, go through this mess, etc. it says clearly that it was always to turn their heart back to me. Does that make sense to you guys? Most of us relational, guys. So if you're struggling in relationships, etc., it's probably go read the Sermon on the Mount again. That's tough. That's challenging to me. 
He goes, that's how the kingdom's going to look. And you're going to go through the, you're going to go around the mountain again and again and again. You're going to be yelling at the mountain like the word of faith told you for the last 10 years and never, nothing's changed. Screaming at the mountain, pointing at stuff and has it changed? No. Because it's internal. The kingdom is a spiritual thing. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So, all right. So here's 2 Corinthians 5.10, how most of us read this. So, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is what this guy was questioning me. It's kind of what your question is. Why do we need to go to the judgment seat? It's actually a really good thing once you understand it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, in English, this doesn't sound very good, does it? Sounds like a bummer, man. Really? I'm going to receive what happened? Whether what I did in the body, good or bad, bummer. Because I've done a couple things. <laughs> and so have you. And Jesus said, you know what, even if you haven't, if you've been a good little boy and girl, if you've even thought about it, you're guilty of it. <clears throat> bummer. So, but here's what I want to show you. Though. I'm going to read it out of the mirror translation first uh, after this. Oh, go back. Oh, sorry, go back. Go back. I, want, I need to. So, appear. I don't want to get too deep into Greek tenses, but they're very important. Aorist, infinitive, passive. So does anybody know what a simple translation of aorist is in English? It happened already. With results that are still going. So it's in the past. In English, don't we read that as it's going to come? It's aorist. Infinitive, meaning it, it happened in the past, but its effects keep going forever. Infinitive, infinity. Now, anybody know what passive is? What's passive? It happened to us. We didn't take part in it. Somebody did it to us. The subject didn't fulfill the verb. So it happened. So a good way, I've heard Joseph Prince say it like this, is if I'm the subject, I hit the ball with the bat, I'm active, right? I'm the one hitting the, hitting the ball. But if the pitcher throws at me and hits me with the ball, the pitcher hit me with the ball, that's passive. I didn't, it, it, it hit me. The, the action was to me. I didn't perform the action. Does that make sense? So if we take this as aorative, infinitive, passive, it's something past tense that already happened to you. That doesn't sound like that, does it? So now if we go... If we go to the, let's read it out of the mirror translation. Now we go to that next slide. So here's, here's what it says out of the mirror translation. For we have all been thoroughly scrutinized in the judgment of Jesus. It's already happened to us. We are taken care of and restored to the life of our design, regardless of what happened to us in our individual lives. Meaning that I don't care what happened to you in your body. You're all going to be before the mercy seat of Christ. And we're going to get our glorified body. So here's what he's saying. It, it fits with Romans too, where it says, you know what, if you went through death, if you went through poverty, if you've done all these things, nothing shall separate you from, it, from the love of God. Because I think a lot of Christians, sometimes we, we think, God, if I had more faith, if I, if I was a good Christian, then none of this stuff would be happening to me. Anybody ever been there? I've been there because I was taught, hey, you go from glory to glory, and that's translated wrong too. It says, out of glory, he's, you're going to receive glory from him. That's what from glory to glory means. But anyway, um, so we think if, if all of a sudden there's a struggle in life, like somehow we... Karma, life's catching up to us, right? I didn't tithe enough or whatever. I don't, whatever. Something's happening to you. Oh, and when 
Paul clearly says, nothing separates you from his love. Don't ever think any of that. So here's what he's saying. Whether I think good or bad happened to you on earth, guess what you're going to receive? Good. For we have all been thoroughly scrutinized in the judgment of Jesus. How was, what was our judgment? In Christ. He, he died for us. He rose for our justification. So your judgment is this. You were in Christ. How good is that? That's it. It already happened is what it said. We have the first fruits, the Holy Spirit. We're all just waiting for our glory, our glorified body. That's what that actually means. Isn't that good news? And we're all freaking people out, scared about it. In fact, let me just read the, uh, the translation a little bit here. The, the Orist infinitive passive just on that. So here's why I know I, I, this is a good Bible too. All the religious teachers are telling you not to read it. All the Bible schools are telling you don't read it. Guess what I want to do? I want to read that one because I know that one's right. So anyway... It's, I'm true, man. I just go 180 from those guys. So uh, we are mirrored in, here's, here's what it means. We are, we are mirrored in his life, meaning that when you look at Jesus, that's a reflection of you, okay? So his life reflects ours, not example for us, but of us, meaning that, you know, the bracelets, what would Jesus do? You can't do it, so stop. It should be, what did Jesus do for you? Because that's who you are, because of his work. Does that make sense? Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's another experiment too. If God is love, isn't that what it says? And then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you guys can do that? You're going to produce God because God is love and now you're going to go produce that and love your neighbor as yourself? Good luck. You can't do it. When you know you're thoroughly forgiven and loved, now you can overflowing our cup is overflowing you have to know you're completely forgiven and perfectly loved with total assurance that you're going to meet him just like that couple they're in their 40s and the first time they felt sure of i'm going to meet jesus now they can start to experience life again now they can start to love their neighbor as themselves because they've experienced it and it's coming out of a flow from the inside versus me trying to do it does that make sense to you guys you can't produce anything you're a dirt pile peggy she was laughing at that when I saw it, but we're a dirt pile, meaning he gathered the, the dirt and he blew his life into us. How is he going to judge? We're dirt, right? Anyway, so the word phanero means to render apparent, to openly declare, to manifest. So it says, when we meet him at the judgment seat, it, we're going to be rendered apparent, it's going to be openly declared and manifested who we are. It's not the judgment whether you're good or bad. That, that deal's over. He removed the sin as far as the east is from the west. So Paul used the aorist passive infinitive tense, not referring to a future event, because when we read it in English, it looks like it's going to be something in the future, right? But the aorist passive infinitive, um, the aorist infinitive, however, does not express pro progressive acts, aspect, meaning that we have to grow into it. It presents the action expressed by the verb as already completed unit with the beginning and the end already done. When we meet him face to face, we're going to see us, and that's what's been true about us all the time, and we're going to receive a glorified body. That's what that whole scripture means, and he's excited about it. Isn't that cool? So he goes, hey, regardless of what happened to you on earth, guess what your destiny is? You're going to be, it'll be apparent, you'll be rendered apparent and openly declared and manifested who you are when you see him. It's cool to me. So I don't know about, now we're going to go back to King James to make you feel better, okay, because, all right. But uh, in case the Bible school guys are yelling at you to read the mirror, <laughs> that's what I heard. They're telling people not to read the mirror. I go, man, I'm telling everybody to read the mirror. It's the best translation I've ever read. So 
Because how many guys would get, if you just read your Bible without a revelation, how many would get that, that that was aorist passive infinitive, meaning it already happened to you, it's already a done deal? You never would have read it in English, would you? That's why when you read scripture, you have to go, Lord, open my eyes of understanding so I can see something, what you're truly trying to say in there, because this English translation's a mess, right? So let's keep going in King James, 2 Corinthians 5, 14, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then how many died? How did you all die unless you were in that one? Okay. He died for all, that those who should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So he's trying to tell you, you were all in him. You, in one, if one died, all died. Therefore, if we go to this next one, I'm cutting out a few verses, but therefore, here's what he's trying to do. If all that's true in context, therefore, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I think how most people always read this was, well, once they accepted him into their heart, now they're in Christ. Wait a minute. He's in through and withholds everything. You can't have any life without you being inside life. Otherwise, you're God. You're out there over there like the distant God and giving yourself life somehow. He's in and through every atom in the universe. Does that make sense? He is life. There's no other life outside of him. We were dirt and he had to breathe his life into us. So what he's trying to say is, hey, if that was true, that all, if one man died, all, were in, all died, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, meaning that you had to be in Christ to die, you guys get the context here? If anybody's in Christ, he is a new creation. So has, who's in the new creation? All is what he said. Old things have passed away. Behold, the believers have become new. All things have become new. Now, all things are of God, out of him. Isn't he saying, you guys see this? Is it clear only to me or what? Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us this ministry of reconciliation. So what's the gospel? We're spo- the ministry of reconciliation is the service of reconciliation. What are we supposed to be sharing? That ministry, the ministry of, recreation, of reconciliation that, listen, he died your death and he rose again. He's conquered sin and death and you're going to meet him. Isn't that different than what, if you ever went on a missions trip, they gave you the, the sinner's prayer and all this stuff. I'm like, no, just like this couple, of, he was like, well, we're going to meet Jesus. We're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ. I go, perfect. And who are you going to meet? Jesus. Do you like Jesus? Yeah, he was good. I mean, it's this simple to me. It's like, he, he was salvation. You're going to meet salvation. It says all will meet him. And at that time, it's going to be manifested and apparent what you've always been, is what Scripture says. It's an exciting thing. It says, I don't care what happened to you on earth. Guess what's going to happen when you meet him? You're going to be glorified. Hallelujah. So that's the, that's the gospel of the ministry of reconciliation, that this, that God was in Christ reconciling the creation, the cosmos to himself. What did, when he sent Jesus on the cross, what did he do? Not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Hey, the message we're supposed to share was God saved the world, and you're in it. You're going to meet him. You're going to meet unconditional love when you meet him. You don't have to be fearful of him, because you don't know his perfect love yet, is what John says. If you're still fearing this angry, angry guy and he's going to turn the, the thermostat up high until it starts burning, you can't ever get out of it, that's not the Jesus I see sitting there with the kids coming to his lap. 
And he never changes, guys. That's who he is. That's who you're going to meet. Does that make sense? As people were pulling out his beard and spitting at him, if you're really the Messiah, save yourself. What did he do? Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. The greatest, sin was, the greatest sin was we killed the creator of the universe, the lover of mankind, and what did he turn it into? The greatest blessing. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. The enemy, the Jews, the Romans, everybody were pawns. All things work together for good, guys. He goes, I'm going to let you kill humanity so I can save all humanity. I'm going to destroy death with my death, is what he said. I'm going to let you do it like a sheep before the shear. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to go, forgive me. They know not what they do. I'm not holding these sins against them. Isn't that cool? Woo! So I believe your message, David. I believe Mussolini. I believe Judas. I believe they're there. I believe, because Paul, guess what? He who's forgiven much loves much. And when Saul realized that he was killing people that he thought was doing a good thing, how did God use them? Come on, you had your chance. No, I said, you know what? I'm going to make you the greatest evangelist the world's ever known. Hallelujah, man. This is beautiful to me. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. So this is the message that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to every one of us this message that you're going to meet Jesus. And that couple got so excited, life started to happen in them. They finally felt sure. And once fear and everything gets out of them, if they can start to experience his love, compassion, and joy, guess what else happens? All the external things start to work better in their lives. Isn't that beautiful? So, therefore, oh, we did all that. Okay, next slide. Did I do that? Yeah, I did. All right, so you can get to your feet. I'm going to get you out of here on time. Is that good? So, let's go to the end. You know, the old covenant said, you know what, every knee is going to bow. In the new covenant, Jesus said, everybody knee is going to bow. At the very end, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus, the apocalypsis of Jesus is what Revelation says, not the apocalypsis. Most people read Revelation, they talk more about the Antichrist and the blood moons and stuff. And, isn't that right? With all those books out right now, the, the Harbinger and all this stuff, I just go, yeah, the moon's red. <laughs> Have you read Colossians? That's what I tell them. Have you read Colossians? It says, those were old covenant things pointing to a very specific time, the Kairos time where Jesus was going to bring the ends of the eons together in himself. He was the Kairos time. All those things were pointing to him. And now it says, hey, don't let anybody judge you on moons or anything else. We've got people running around looking at blood moons. And I go, yeah, the moon's red. Go to sleep. Right? <laughs> Isn't that what it says? I'm just trying. I know some of you guys are like, turn the TV off, guys. You're going to get a bunch of nonsense. You, you, hey, listen, do, do any of those give you, oh, God, Jesus, you're so good? Yeah, no. no, it starts to put fear in you, doesn't it? You start planting seeds in your garage and weird stuff. So, <laughs> and the other people are just kicking rear end in their businesses, just cruising around, and then they're going, what are you doing? Oh, I'm saving. I got my Honda generator and my seeds and my hydroponic stuff, and because, you know, and like, geez, man, no wonder they think we're nuts. Because we're not sharing the gospel. The gospel is you're going to meet, even if all that's true, guess what I'm going to meet? Him. Praise God. So I just know he's going to get me out of the jam if I need to. Just like in the, the War of 8070, all the Christians survived. They went to Petra, the rock, and all the people who didn't believe Jesus, what happened to them? They got thrown into the Valley of Gehenna where the, the, all flesh was destroyed. The fire that never stops and the maggots ate up all flesh. There was no flesh left. But the Christians survived. I think, you know, so 
People are like, do you, do, you, do you think all this Armageddon? I go, no, I don't think, I think it was a type and shadow of the, 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 he, the conqueror of conquerors. The, he's victorious. He's at the end. He says, you know what? The gates of heaven are open forever. Come on in. The, the bride and the spirit say, come in. He's already been victorious is what I believe. Now, if we keep thinking that everything's going to happen and, and uh, you know, everybody's going to get around to Israel, guess what? We'll produce it. But if we share the true gospel and go, you know what? Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, guess what he says? Hey, turn the other cheek. Love people. How can we serve you? That's the gospel, amen? Not go plant seeds in your garden, whatever you're doing. So, I just didn't see Jesus doing stuff like that. And I'm in him, and he's my husband, I'm a joint heir, I'm in good shape the way I look at it. So, Revelation 5.13, and every creature. Didn't, didn't, didn't Paul say that? Things in heaven, on earth, and in hell, below the earth, are all going to bow. And every creature which is in heaven, where? On earth... And under the earth are going to do what? And such that they're in the sea, the dead, all of that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb from age to age. Hallelujah. Does that take some fear out of your life? You're going to meet the most loving person you've ever met. You don't have anything to worry about. You're going to go meet him. Now, does the world know that message? No. They got this twisted sense of gospel where they still think they have to do all these things to be pleasing to God. And you know what's producing in them? Angry Christians. Anger, murder, strife. All the things that Galatians says will be produced if you don't know that he did the work. Then you'll try work. You'll try to get to that God over there and try to be pleasing to him by religious works. You'll read the Bible in a year. And get angry, right? You're going to go fast until you go, screw that, man. When's the in and out burger coming to Colorado Springs? I can't wait. Right? In fact, every time when I, when I believed all that stuff, I would kill Barbara and go, okay, I'm at this hotel. Here's where I am. So in case I'm going to go spend time with God. And I, honestly, like, uh, I wouldn't get through one night and I'm fasting and I, I remember sitting there going, what are you doing? Your beautiful wife's in bed, probably having a glass of wine, eating to her heart's content. You're over here trying to be pleasing to God. Get your rear end back home and experience life because I'm the tree of life. I was like, yeah, what am I doing? This is crazy talk to me, right? Anyway, every knee will bow because everyone will meet Christ Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. Perfect love casts out fear, does it not? Isn't that what it says? So for all, his all-consuming love, his consuming fire will burn up all the wrong thinking, all the impurities, burn up all the chaff so that all that's left is divinity, silver, and gold. Divinity and redemption and precious stones. You guys, you're the precious stones that the high priest carried on the... Amen? So when you replace fear with the assurance, love, peace, joy of Christ, life starts to miraculously flow from the inside. You guys get what I'm trying to share with you? I would just tell you, is this magnifying man or is this magnifying Jesus more? See, I think it's magnifying Jesus' work. I think he actually did accomplish what he was sent to do and he didn't return void. That's what I believe. Now, and here's the, here's the thing. Everybody wants to throw around this term. Are you a universalist? No, actually, here's, here's all I say. I go, you know what? No, I believe in Jesus Christ is the only way. But here's the cool part. All are going to meet him. Because it says all are going to meet him. So the dead and the sea are going to give up their dead and they're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ. And what are they going to meet? The tree of life. What's that? The same thing as you. Exactly. 
Right? That's the parable. The guys who worked their whole life and the guy who got into the end. What, was their, what did they get? The same thing. Hallelujah. Amen? Yeah, they'll be the most surprised. And I was sharing this with some of my friends yesterday. I go, dude, you and I, we might be in the short bus for remedial training, but because uh, we're going to go through the fire and, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you need correction. You need some correction. That's what the fire is. It's really correcting all of our wrong belief systems, etc. And that's why, even in Hebrews, where the unpardonable sin, where Christians just lose their mind over this thing, honestly, what he's saying is that, that mistake is unpardonable. That's going to have to be corrected. But that doesn't mean you're going to be tormented forever. When they meet him face-to-face in perfect love, he's going to change their belief system. That's what that means. It means all will bow, because it says all will bow, and not out of pressure like that. They're going to submit to love because love never fails. That's just what Scripture says. That's what I believe. Amen? So I'm not a universalist going, hey, it doesn't matter if you're a Buddhist, you're a Hindu, etc. No, it matters a lot, because that's the mess we're in right now, because people think their God's the right God and this God and all that. Jesus Christ is the only way, guys. So does it matter that they need to know that he loves them perfectly, unconditionally? They don't have to worry about eternal torture? Yes, because they're going to treat life and other people way better. They're going to treat them way better. They're going to start having love and compassion for their fellow man because they know they're perfectly loved with assurance versus I said these things, I got to get you in, and all it does is make you angry. Why aren't they listening to me? I said all the right things. They can't save anybody. They're not rejecting God. They're rejecting your message. If you present God who he is, it's the easiest thing in the world for people to accept. Amen? Does that help you guys? So here's the cool part. When you can experience perfect love, peace, and joy, what else happens? Everything else is added to you. All the things you guys are striving for, trying to give enough, believe enough, faith enough, speak enough, walking around your neighborhood, talking to the house, whatever you're doing. It's free. It all comes out of here. He gives you the divine inspiration, the the, the creativity, everything, light, you get the rivers of living water starting to flow out. So I'm just trying to get the fear and torment out of your life because perfect love casts out fear. Does that make sense to you guys? So you can go for it. He loves you perfectly. He, you don't have to worry about anything. He goes, if I died for you, how will I not freely give you everything else? You just need to experience my love, my joy, my peace. Amen? Does that help you guys? That's why even when I pray for the sick, guess what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get his love and compassion in and I'm not going, Jesus and He'll work with that too. He goes, that's what you're going to give me? You're going to scare him to death and then heal him? Okay, I'll do that too. But I just think it's a lot better if we just show him that he loves them perfectly and let that start to flow through their body. Because once that happens, guess what? The body starts to heal on its own. Does that make sense? All right. Reggie, guy, anything? You're looking at me. No? Okay, just something quick. Don't screw up, Reg. And then you can pray too. It's my friend Reg. Mike, four, I got. Just, just something quick I, that I learned today that uh, I guess it's in the Old Covenant where he, God says he's going to write his name on, on Jerusalem. And uh, I don't know. Then, then I saw the slide and it showed the mountains and it was writing a shin. <laughs> That's the, the coolest thing. But the revelation was when I saw it, I saw a heart. I saw a heart. And it's, it's like in the shape of a W, and there's these two lobes. So God has written the new Jerusalem on our heart. Amen. Yeah, and you know what? If you take a cross-section of the heart, you can go Google it. Just go put the shin, the Hebrew letter shin, which means Shaddai, 
the Almighty One, right? He says, I'm going to put my name on Jerusalem and on your heart. If you, if you uh, Google that, you'll see a cross-section of the heart, the lobes of the heart, and guess what it looks like? Perfect shin. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now here's you take one further, and guess what it's... They go, when your heart beats, what does it do? Shudda, 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 shudda. Everything that has breath praises the Lord. Your heart actually says, should I, every beat. Is that hot or is that hot? Amen? So, Father, we love you, we praise you, we magnify you. We just thank you that just, you know what, let their eyes of understanding be opened up. That the true message is that he was in Christ reconciling the creation. True salvation and healing is when they finally believe that he actually already died for them and he's removed sin as far as the east is from the west. He was the lamb that took away the sin of the world. Does the world know that? No. That's the message we need to share with them, the message of reconciliation, so they can finally experience your love, your joy, your peace, and then life starts to explode in their lives, Father. So we just open their eyes of understanding. They can see that your perfect love, they don't have to worry about a consuming fire. You are the consuming fire. When they meet the fire, it's your perfect love. It's your all-consuming love that you're not willing to let them live at all with any wrong belief of who he is because you want perfect intimacy and perfect love relationship. That's why you burn up all the chaff and wrong thinking in our lives. So we just say thank you for that, Father. Let that revelation in their heart that they're perfect love, they're perfectly forgiven, that their, their messes today, their sin today doesn't stop your favor. You bless. You bless is all you do. And we just thank you for that so that their life starts to explode. Father, we thank you for exceedingly abundant beyond what they can think or ask in 2018 because that's who you are, that you love them, you bless them, you favor them as if it's Jesus themselves because all are in him. In Jesus' magnificent name, amen, amen, amen. You're really...